1: And Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host.
0: G'day there. Dan Illich with Irrational Fear Light this week. Yes, it is a light version, just me and a guest. You'll meet them in just a second just kind of warming up for the next 10 weeks of regular recording. It's going to be exciting. I think we might have a sponsor as well. So next week, I'll tell you all about that on Irrational Fear. In the meantime, I'm recording Irrational Fear on the land of the Gadigal in the Yura Nation. Sovereignty was never ceded. We need a treaty. Let's start the show.
1: Irrational Fear contains naughty words like Brexit, Canberra <laughs> Fair D*** and Section 40 <laughs> A Rational Fear recommends listening by immature audiences.
0: Tonight, Sydney takes over Canberra as the most expensive city to rent in Australia. In order to win back the title, Canberran landlords are increasing levels of mould. And after Mark Zuckerberg released his new avatar with legs, he's promised to invest another $10 billion to develop a personality. And Qantas has hit a huge profit for the first six months of the year, earning $1.3 billion before tax, most of which they discovered was stored in baggage lost in Broom. It's the 14th of October, just weeks away from a Stage 3 tax cut. is Irrational Fear.
2: Irrational Fear! And
1: don't
0: forget to unplug your set. Welcome to Rational Fear. I'm your host, former coach of the Manly Sea Eagles, Dan Illich, and this is Irrational Fear Lite. Just me and a guest talking through a few stories, having a bit of fun, catching up. Seeing someone face to face. Oh, it's good. It's going to be good fun. And what I guess we have, journalist, thinker, doer, and most crucially, my neighbour, Sarah Wilson. Welcome to Irrational Fear.
1: I think it's absolutely apt that I'm on the diet version of the show, don't you? Because that's the reputation I've always had. Oh, yeah, yeah. As peddling a diet. Yeah, this is
0: perfectly fine. This is the sugar-free version of Irrational Fear. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean... I, I quit, I quit sugar. I don't know if everyone got that memo, but, yes, I'm still associated as a diet person. I've never been on a diet in my life, Dan. You've seen me eat. So, like, yeah, I have seen you eat and I've, I've
0: had burgers with you. I'm robust. Yeah. <laughs> now, the thing is when you say you've quit sugar and you've quit, yeah. quit sugar, are you now back into sugar? Are you now investing? A double double, negative. double downing on sugar? Yeah, you, double negative. Are you boosting sugar?
1: No, not at all, not at all. I mean, nothing's changed. It's just that I'm not caught up in the... The tedium of running a business, which is just not my thing, right? And also a commitment I made to myself, blah, 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 that when it made a certain amount of money, I gave it all away. Well,
0: would you believe it? I'm not committed to running a business either. That is why we need your help on Patreon. (laughs) <laughs> Please, it. Hit, us, it. hit us up on Patreon. Uh, and can I say, Sarah's also got an incredibly interesting and thought-provoking Substack, and she promotes us on Substack. But my partner loves your Substack. She oh, is good. absolutely enthralled with the stories of your travels and insights that you gather from people you meet on the road. It's a terrific Substack. You should I
1: enjoy so writing enjoy. it. It's a nice realm to be in, isn't it? Just having worked for... News Corp for many years and uh, ACP slash, what is it, Bauer?
0: The Germans, yeah. Yes,
1: yeah, so it's nice just to be um, to have my own space where I can actually, yeah, get subscribers who want to read my stuff. What's it like
0: being your own editor?
1: Oh, well, there's just typos, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know? All um, right, let's get into the stories this week. A Connecticut jury awarded nearly a billion dollars in damages to 15 plaintiffs who were defamed by conspiracy theorist Alex Jones. And this is absolutely incredible. Like this this landed today, a billion dollars. Alex Jones is now going to have to pay these poor people that he spent years defaming over the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting back in 2012. So long ago now. But, of course, the pain of this is a a real thing. Back in August, he was forced to pay $50 billion. He declared bankruptcy. In Texas, yeah, to
1: one family. Yeah, Yeah. and now it's eight families who've... Who are going to have to split that one billion dollars for defamation? Yeah, I think he's set up sort of companies with dad, right? So some of his money's been siphoned off to right. family accounts and trusts. Bit of sneaky stuff going on, but still, I doubt he has enough to pay off. You know, several billion dollars. There's one
0: estimate that he's worth three hundred million, but yeah, you know, at at the most, that is still a lot of. A mushroom-infused coffee beans you have to sell on the store. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he's still selling. Like he's still, He is. He's still asking for money. I don't know if you caught this. This is him during the actual verdict. As the verdict was coming down, he was on air on his show asking his supporters for money still.
2: From Remington... Ain't gonna verdict. be happening, Even ain't verdict. no money.
3: Our verdict as to damages in this case we award damages to each plaintiff and against Alex Jones and Freeze.
2: I killed the kids, folks. I think.
3: Number one compensatory damages, instructions. Fill in both numbers for each plaintiff, then go Now remember,
2: I'm in bankruptcy. We got two years of appeals. The money you donate does not go to these people. It goes to fight this fraud and it goes to stabilize the company. They want to shut down. That's why the the, the 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 ambulance chasers did this, why they use these families. So SaveInfoWars.com. We're fighting Goliath, we'll win because of you, SaveInfoWars.com. InfoWarstore.com, double patriot points, ten percent off of seventeen seventy six right now at InfowarStore. Store. But you see, you want somebody to fight for you? I'm doing it and you see what they do. So you want we want to fight? That's fine. It's your decision. But that's where we are. That's the whacked out system of the left. Did, did we hit a billion, guys? <laughs> did we hit a billion, guys? Like he's
0: he's like he's like waiting for the big billion to land. Did we do it? Are we the are, are we the bad guys? Well, yeah, you are the bad guys. But there's complete shamelessness to he's a go to, to go on air at this time as the verdict was handed. If if you had to owe someone a billion dollars because you were an asshole, would you be? Doing- I'd be
1: shutting my mouth, but that's just not the way he operates. It's really interesting. I don't know. Have you ever followed any of John Ronson's stuff on him? He's been following him for decades, like literally since he was like in his early 20s.
0: I mean, I remember as a kid watching his early conspiracy theories about 9-11, probably like early 2002, 2003. YouTube wasn't even around then. It was these, these WMV that's files. That's
1: it. That's it. Well, John Ronson went and visited him because he was running the program out of his bedroom and literally <laughs> he had Star Wars wallpaper. Like, <laughs> you know, he was in his little room with Star Wars, you know, wallpaper with a single bed. It was his boyhood home and that's where he was recording from. Wait, from his mum's house? His dad's, Yeah.
0: Well, that's only one step down from this situation where I am <laughs> renting to a landlord and I'm I'm recording this from home.
1: Oh, yeah, so. but just wait for 20 years. Get somebody to follow you now. Get a John Ronson to, to document your story now. But, look, he's an absolute narcissist and that court case, I've listened to bits of it, he really treated it like one of his programs, didn't he? It, it, yep. was, it was a performance and he created chaos and that's what a lot of these... Conspiracy theorists, shock jocks. I mean, that's what they love doing. It's what Trump did. They create chaos.
0: What does this defamation thing mean for people who want to be like, you know, the next Alex Jones, like your Avi Yemenis, your. Your right-wing shock jocks or your, or your crazy left-wing shock jocks who want to kind of pedal in this mistruth space, do you think? Do you yeah. think they'll take notice or do you think this is just a sign to get more attention?
1: I think that it will actually rile people up for a while. I mean, he's still going. He's still making money. He has been deplatformed across all of, you know, like Twitter, Facebook and so on. But then you have the Joe Rogans of the world. That get him onto their programs and you know spread the message across Spotify. So he's still got a little bit of oxygen, but I do think the one billion dollar thing will will resonate. I think there'll be anger; they'll his fans will mobilise, but I'm not sure how far it can go when you've been deplatformed to that extent.
0: Have you seen the kind of stuff he sells on his on his store, Alex Jones? No. Oh, he sells like you know supplements and like, the uh, uh, coffee beans infused yeah, yeah. with like like mushroom. They all do. But All the
1: broadcasters. There are these other
0: things you can buy from the Infowars stores which are like literally buckets of food you can put in your bunker.
1: Oh, prepper. For, <laughs> prepper stuff. Prepper yes. bucket.
0: It's like it's buckets of food that will last for like 10 years in a bucket for when the shit hits the fan. Do you think he's going to be heading down to his bunker to eat some of that food now? Is that... Is that the plan? He's got so much of this food in a well, bucket. he might he won't join to Peter it.
1: Thiel and um, buy up land in New Zealand because that's what he's done. He's built his bunker, I think, in New Zealand. Yeah. Near Wanaka. Yeah, the prepper realm. I mean, that's another realm. Where do we go from there? New, Zealand,
0: New Zealand's too far to go for Alex Jones. He's, he can barely make it out of his parents' bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> his
1: parents the other out. thing, actually, one thing that really came up and struck me with the John Ronson deep dive I did over the last couple of days is this has all been going down is he went back and actually spoke to some of his childhood friends and Alex likes to tell the story of how, you know, his dad took him out of a school, which <laughs> was just terrible at some stage. So uh, John Ronson went back and actually investigated and found that in fact he was such a bully, he actually Beat up some guy within an inch of his life. This guy, this was his best friend, by the way. Are you
0: trying to tell me Alex Jones was a bully?
1: <laughs> I know, hard to believe, hard to believe. It didn't just happen overnight. Um, he isn't just passionate about conspiracies, right? And um, but he, his best friend, I think, made a slur about a girl that he was keen on, or something like that. Yeah. And he beat this guy up within an inch of his life. And this guy's now got permanent brain damage, oh my right? God. And he's, I think, he's in a wheelchair, etc. The friends all got together because they were so sick of being bullied because he was the classic bully. Everyone was too scared to stand up to him. But there was a conspiracy. They all got together on a Saturday night and actually gave him a pounding and off the back of that his dad moved him from town and right. moved to another place.
2: Right. So yeah, he tells so this story about Slightly Amy. different version of the
1: story, right?
0: Yeah. He's, he's not the victim
2: here. Mm. Oh, irrational fear. I just don't want to catch him in bed with a goblin. I don't want to see him kissing goblins. Having political succubus with goblins. Irrational fear! This week's second fear.
0: Meta is kind of going through this bit of an epic transition because Facebook is struggling. Not many people are using it anymore. So they've got this big idea to kind of start the metaverse, as people know. It's this VR experience. And the share price of Meta Has tanked. It's like Mm. half of what it was a year ago. And the metaverse is trying to come to be, and everyone's trying to push metaverse on everyone. Um, But here's the thing: not even the people that work at Meta actually want to use it. This great report from The Verge came out today say that the internal memos are saying that not enough people are using the metaverse at work. And if you can't use it at work, how are people meant to use it in their everyday lives? And Well,
1: it's affecting the development, right? It, it, They're saying that the developments aren't happening fast enough because people aren't getting native with it.
0: Yeah, and so people don't know how to use it. And people hate using it. Like, and they can't are, fix
1: the, the glitches, yeah.
0: And people that work at Meta just don't want to use Metaverse, isn't, that,
1: isn't this it? This headline pops up in one form or another, every six months or so. We love a headline that says Silicon Valley don't use their own products, right? One of my favourites is all of the big heads, including Steve Jobs and, and Bill Gates as well, They send their kids to Steiner schools where they play with wooden blocks and technology (laughs) is completely banned.
0: They're like, please, we need to get away from technology as much as we possibly can. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's a real thing. And I think it was only a couple of weeks ago some inventor of some big game doesn't let his kids play it. So it's not a new concept. This is slightly different because they're saying the product's shit, (laughs) I (laughs) presume, but really it's a reflection on the metaverse, isn't it? Yeah. And the whole VR dream, like... I'm seeing this happening more and more. It's a discussion I'm seeing, Dan, with a number of my guests on my podcast where we actually do talk about the fact that this technology, AI in particular, is just galloping ahead. But there's quite a few people, including the people who are inventing the technology, who are going, hang on, do we want this? Is this what we actually really want? And I think that question's becoming very, very loud. You are correct. This is a great insight.
0: Nobody wants this universe. Uh, Currently, there is a great uh, uh, experiment happening with AI and somebody has managed to stitch together an AI Steve Jobs being interviewed by an AI Joe Rogan. Just from everything they've all said, it kind of... I'm going to play a little bit of it for you Mm. so you can get a feeling for what it sounds like. We'll play the first couple of minutes and just hear kind of the back and forth from Steve Jobs and Joe Rogan. It is pretty uncanny.
3: Welcome to another episode of the Bro Jogan Experience. And on this episode, I welcome my friend who's difficult to describe. I'm fascinated by him and I hope you'll be too. And he is weird and brilliant and sometimes totally insufferable so super psyched about having him in the house today first time or yeah we've had you on before but not for a long time you're like patrick sways and i'm um, demi moore and ghost you're a memory from the past <laughs> <laughs> so without further ado my friend who is difficult to describe and wonderful and i'm so grateful he came on the show how's it going good to see you buddy It's been a long time since I've been on the show. I've missed this. It's always fun. How's it going? Come on, tell me about jobs. (laughs) (laughs) It's always good to see you, buddy. I'm so happy you came on, man. Yeah, it's great to be on the show. Your audience is just so different from your normal Apple users, and that's a good thing, it's
0: cool.
1: Isn't that uncanny? It's a bro mashup. (laughs) Right, I mean, it's Silicon Bro meets Pod Bro,
0: and the AI is probably developed by White Bros.
1: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if they realise just, yeah, the irony, the triple irony, the triple pike irony going on there. It's really interesting. I, I like how it segues from our our last topic. Yeah,
0: it's, 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 yeah, it's beautiful. Incredible.
1: It's so meta. <laughs> I mean, well, that's the well, that's what that's where we've arrived, Dan. Where everything is sort of knotted and gnarled around everything else you know you've got these conspiracy theories like we can't tell the difference between who's a left-leaning person and Mm. who's a right-leaning person like everything is so fragmented and mashed up now it's so difficult to know what's real and AI just reflects that yeah like What's where does reality start and end?
0: I never thought I'd need to use like Dali or something. I could never see a use for it for myself. I'm like, who wants to create a a spaceman in a field of poppies? Like, 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 why would I need that? And the other day, I could see how I could just put out a whole bunch of people out of business because I was putting together the Irrational Fear show live at um, uh, Festival Dangerous Ideas, and I needed a bunch of graphics done in a hurry, Um, and I. I hired a professional graphic artist to do it. But I'm like, wow, in about four years' time, I could imagine these jokes as graphics, put them into a thing, and they'll they'll spit it out and I'll be able to, I'll be able to use those graphics instead of hiring someone. And I immediately went, Shit, that is that is a big that's a that's it. It's actually scared me. Mm. Like the person I trusted to put these graphics together, Pat Forrest, did an incredible job and in they're hilarious and beautiful and stunning images to get jokes across yeah. to the audience.
1: But it's, is this what we want? Because do we want to put people out of jobs? Do we want the delicacy, the, the imperfection that comes with human creativity to be eradicated? No, I don't think we do.
0: And well, and also for me, like as a, as a joke teller, like I thought I could never use a program like that because it comedy requires a certain nuance to kind of get an idea over in a real quick fashion but seeing some of these images that are popping out of people's prompts it's like fuck if you if you're a good prompter you could you could absolutely create the image you need to get the joke
1: across yeah got it but you still got to have the human to create the joke you've still got to have the nuance <laughs> going on no, I see I don't even know you Don't think I, so you think you think yeah. AI can be taught how to be funny yeah. yeah yeah I
0: think I think so and you know the the thing that makes me nervous about that and this is the reason why I hate this game so much is Cards Against Humanity Cards Against Humanity is just a non sequitur generator and people find non sequiturs funny and if you just jam two ideas up there that undercut each other people laugh and have a good time and move on and so it's like ah that's that's the thing that's going to kill us. That's Someone, the future. Someone's going to work out how to make, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> the singularity, which is that moment when AI technology is meant to take over from human capacity, they're saying it's this, this century. Like, it's close. And is there anyone out there, is there a godlike figure, you know, and I, I'm guessing it's not Joe Rogan or Steve Jobs. Well, we know it's not Steve. Are they sitting down and going, okay, ethical and moral implications of this? And are they just going, AI is made in our image, right? It's a reflection of our intelligence. And when we confront something that's weaker than us, more vulnerable, we kill it. Um, and so is AI going to do the same thing to us?
0: I'm sure Meta, a company that's, yeah, responsible, got an ethical for it, that's responsible for the genocide of uh, large groups of um, Southeast Asian populations, I'm yeah, they sure care. they've got they care. an ethical department. I'm sure they've thought it through. <laughs> <laughs> oh god this is a rational fear we are still the company that designs technology around people and finally this week's third fear sarah wilson is the 10th anniversary of of Julia Gillard's misogyny speech 10 years ago. It kind of is strange that there are young people out there who are in their 20s who were like 10 years old when this kind of speech came out and they are memifying
1: it. They're wearing the t-shirts. They're wearing the
0: t-shirts. It's a fun it's a weird kind of thing to kind of see how this speech has become mimetic as like a symbol of feminism in Australia.
1: Internationally though as well. I mean that's the that's the funny thing about it is that Here in Australia, it didn't really make headlines until it made headlines overseas because, as you know, it came off the back of a bit of a slippery, you know, basis. Peter Slipper was a misogynist. Julia Gillard had vested interests in keeping him in the speaker's seat Mm. and so that speech pivoted from that. But the American audiences, the German audiences who watched it, you know, virally, they don't know all of that. That said... It also came off the back of many, many years of horrible misogyny. Towards occurring Gillard in Australia. Herself, yeah, yeah, and occurring more broadly, as we now know, in Australian politics and, and in Parliament House. So, yeah, it's interesting. I, it, it was always something that took a while for Australians to grasp. I think it was a bigger international phenomenon first.
0: Why do you think that is? Why do you think people in global spaces saw this speech and were, were so...
1: Uh, Partly because it was out of context. Right.
0: Of course, it's very difficult to kind of say, well, let me talk about this guy, Peter Slipper, who's yeah. a bit of an asshole. Uh, he works for the Nationals, and, but and he's let not me explain the party Tony Abbott And, 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 yeah,
1: yeah. Let me and the fact that, yeah, so I think there was that, but that's not all of it. It really is because I think Australia, and I'll say it straight, I've said it before, is a misogynist country. And I don't know that we've progressed all that further in, in 10 years. It's sort of the wallpaper to our existence and we... Have to suck it up. We don't do the outrage around it. And I I sort of think that we are expected to roll with the punches of it. Misogyny is very tied up in that bloke culture, the larrikin, she'll be right. God, you know, you're the one with the problem because you can't take a joke, that whole vibe. And so when we see misogyny as, a, as women, I think, or as, you know, good men, we don't notice it straight away and we don't call it out straight away. We needed it to be seen through the lens of you know, being these outliers in the on the other side of the world, before we felt very ashamed about it.
0: Um, speaking of somebody who saw this speech overseas, um, Ben Rhodes, who was on irrational fear a couple of years ago, talking, we were talking to him about climate change. Yeah, this is
1: this is resurfaced, hasn't it? Or, or it became news back then, didn't it? That irrational yeah. fear exposed <laughs> this this. Particular story, but yes, please tell us the background.
0: Yeah, so we were talking to Ben Rhodes about climate change and how you know Australia is so far behind. And Australia is so backwards, and he was just saying, "You guys are so backwards." You know, Tony Abbott is so backwards. Like we had to, we had many debates with Tony Abbott, and was, we realized like talking to him was like talking to a brick wall. And why he was in power. Every time we had to deal with him, we watched the misogyny speech. So here's Ben Rhodes.
1: Oh, what? Just for entertainment? <laughs> yeah, here he is yeah. in his
0: own words. Here, Ben. ben I didn't. It. I did not know that. I will tell you that whenever <laughs> we were really annoyed with Tony Abbott. We would watch the video of that speech by Julie Gillard. Um, uh, the resulting speech? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, it, it, that speech got watched a lot. Uh, in the Obama- <laughs> uh, let me just put it that way. You uh, know when, uh, when, sorry, when all those hand-washing videos were coming out at the start
2: and they were like, you need to wash your hands for at least 20 seconds? People were giving you like song lyrics yeah. was like, wash it for the length of happy birthday. There are a lot of people who are going, you just need to wash your hands for the length of Julia Gillard's misogyny speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All seven minutes
0: of it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's heartening to know that, you know, Obama and his staff were were watching that speech just to feel better about having to deal with Australia.
1: While we're doing segues, by the way, I actually had on my podcast uh, last week, Uh, a woman called Marianne Seagart. She's a BBC correspondent. She's been the associate editor of The Times um, for 20 years and she wrote a book just recently called The Authority Gap and in it she interviews Julia Gillard or Gillard about the speech and there's a bunch of things that she says in there which actually have come out in the press just this week about how she wished she actually had said it, done the speech earlier. She'd actually sat on that rage and that need to call it out for quite some time because she felt that Australians would settle into the idea of an Australian female PM. Well, they didn't and eventually she felt she had to give that speech. But Marianne and I cover a bunch of things uh, in the podcast and (laughs) she's got this great, I've got to share this one, she's got this great uh, study that she references where I think it's something like it's a huge, I think it's 3,000 children across or teenagers, male and female, across nine countries. So it's a meta study just to bring it all back in (laughs) anyway um they get a bunch of uh, 15 year olds male and female and they present them with um a dozen or so mathematical concepts and the children the teenagers are asked if those ideas are familiar to them have you heard of these ideas do you know about these things anyway in the the blokes say that they have heard of far more of them than the women the women go oh i'm not sure that kind of thing right the thing is about a quarter or a third of them are bullshit, right? They throw in non-concepts, but the blokes still say, oh yeah, I know about that. I know about that. (laughs) And the women say, oh no, I don't think I know about that one. Anyway, the conclusion of the study is that men have a disposition to bullshitting and, you know, it starts when they're young and it it carries on. Anyway, so if we're going to be talking at former male Australian PMs, uh, the bullshitting thing comes through loud and true. But (laughs) then to bring it back around, she also points out that Obama's staff also had this thing where the women got fed up with their ideas being interrupted and talked over in meetings. And so they got together and Obama picked it and he actually got the women together and said, hang on, what are you doing here? Have you heard about this? This
0: is the echo. Like somebody will say a point. And then somebody will come in and say the same point and and somebody will repeat the point.
1: Yeah. So so a woman will come up with an idea and generally any woman listening will know what I'm talking about. It'll just get ignored. Mm. But then 10 minutes later, a bloke will raise it. And of course, it's a fantastic idea and they own the idea and off it goes. So what happens, the echoing thing is that women get together and go, all right, if a woman brings up a point, we're going to make sure it almost gets, you know, tallied. (laughs) Right, so great point, Martha. And then you know, and and that's how they do it. And Obama noticed it. And the women said, "Yeah, we've got to do it. Otherwise, our ideas don't get heard." Mm. So anyway, that was a guest that I spoke to. And since we're doing segues, I think that was a loop de loop segue. <laughs>
0: well, well done, well done. <laughs> you are you are the master of the segue. Yeah. Well, well I don't done. know where
1: that we landed anywhere in, 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 interesting. But
0: well, speaking of podcasts, Sarah, you've got a podcast. <laughs>
1: That was a perfect handball <laughs> segue. Uh, I do. Yeah, no, I uh, do. Your podcast is, you
0: know, it's back in fine form. You're back on the horse. Who have you had recently and what have you learned?
1: Uh, this week's is actually a, an interesting one. It's a slight diversion. Matt Brown, he's an Australian academic and he co-hosts a podcast called Decoding the Gurus and it pulls apart these and again, this is a segue. Um, the Joe Rogans of the world, mm. the Lex Friedmans, the Weinstein's—they actually pull apart these segments bit by bit and put it through a, grometer, a gurometer a <laughs> um, to see if they're like for real or just got messiah complex. And it's really—it's quite controversial. They're all blokes. You know, and yeah, this Australian, he's an Australian academic um, based out of the University of Queensland. And then the other one is an academic, he's Irish and uh, lives in Tokyo. Makes no sense whatsoever. But they've become quite influential. And a lot of these gurus, you know, the Jordan Petersons, um, Lex Friedman, who else is there? Sam Harris, although Sam doesn't quite fit into that bucket, Russell Brand. They are sort of targets of decoding the gurus. Anyway, so I interview Matt about all of this and we go into why it is that this is happening now, Mm. what it is saying about our culture, what it's saying about young men and their need for these gurus, for these men that come out.
0: Um, Why do we need Jordan Peterson to tell people to...
1: Have 12 rules to make their bed. Yeah, to make their fucking bed, yeah. Mm. Well, if it was as harmless as that, that would be okay. But the problem is that they go on to spread conspiracy theories. And, of course, they all sell the same powders and products online. They all interview each other. So Joe Rogan used to have more women on his podcast. Mm. Now they just it's just a bro fest. It's a bro orgy. They all interview each other. They all love each other. They all support each other. And when you've got Joe Rogan supporting Alex Jones and Andrew Tate and then you've got Lex Friedman supporting Joe Rogan, and they all support each other. It's just this echo chamber of, quite frankly, misogyny.
0: Mm. Well, can I just say thank you for supporting irrational fear by coming on irrational. Fear.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, and we did talk misogyny, and we did talk Alex Jones. But are we platforming? I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to tell. It's mm. hard to
0: tell. So, with that, with that interview, what's the one big takeaway from that conversation you had with with Matt?
1: Um. Well, I, I think it would be for my listeners to just be aware of husbands, friends who are listening to these people and be aware of the messages that they're peddling. Just about everyone I know has a partner who loves Joe Rogan. Oh, mm. he's great. He's great. And thinks that their their research is legit. It's it's really not.
0: Yeah. All right. Anyway. Anyway.
1: So- I used to be a fan of Joe Rogan. I used to listen
0: to his stuff. So do your own research and do your own research on your research Mm, is is what we're trying to say here. Yeah, sheeple. Sheeple. Big thanks to uh, everyone who supports us on Patreon. Also, big thank you to Road Mikes who sent me a wonderful new Roadcaster 2. Excited to test that out. Streaming sometime soon. If um, you are heading to Purpose next week, we'll be there. We're going to be recording Irrational Fear in the foyer at Purpose. So do pop by and say hi. And we'll catch you next time. There's always something to be scared of. See you then.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices.